everyone, and thank you for joining me today for this episode of the Free UC with 2600 Hertz podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Bartash, and I'm back in action once again to bring you an exciting new episode. Today we'll be talking about remote work, which is a very top of mind topic considering everything that's been going on related to the COVID-19 coronavirus. Many companies across not just the U.S., but around the world are asking their employees to work from home in order to help contain the spread of the virus. My guests today are two wonderful gentlemen who have a lot to share with us. Joining me are Chrysantos Haj Ibrahim, Chief Product Evangelist of Prodoscore, and Dave Gilbert, UC Pioneer and Cloud Evangelist for the Cloud Communications Alliance. Welcome, Chrysantos and Dave. It's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be fun and important. Yes, absolutely. So I know that we have a ton to talk about today, so let's dive right in. Can you guys tell our audience about some of the trends that you've started seeing over the past few weeks as the virus has continued to spread around the world, specifically in regards to remote work? Yeah, so I was going to tell you about from our our perspective, you know, Dave and I, we've we've been having these discussions quite a bit lately. I just had another one this morning with another writer, and there's a lot of fronts, you know, as as businesses are scrambling to put remote work into place, businesses are just barely coming to the conclusion, some of them, maybe even a lot more than we think, they're not ready for a remote workforce. They don't have a lot of tools in place. So companies are just saying, hey, go work remote. A lot of companies still have VPNs, not very easy to friendly for remote work. I know that was a technology in the past. You got hosted exchange servers that are not easily accessible from the web. You got on-premise PBX systems that can only be accessed from the office, so people are going to be forced to use their personal cell phones. Contact database systems are still only accessible through on-premise local presence. So there's a lot of challenges that a lot of businesses are just they're just not ready with, right, Dave? Yeah, so, you know, one of the interesting things is to watch what's happening to Channel Partners. Channel Partners is probably the largest show in the world of agents, telco agents. And there's going to be something like 10,000 of them that were supposed to be there in Las Vegas. The room prices were going up to $500 for what is normally a $100 room. I mean, it was just really a lot of excitement and pressure a month ago. But in the last week, people have been running away from that show because they feel as though their workforce is in danger. They feel as though their people are going to get sick and even spread the virus when they come back home. And so as a result of that, there's been a deflation in that, that show like I've never seen in the history of trade shows. And so it's just a lot of FUD, a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that is being thrown around because we really don't know how powerful this virus is. But in, just before we, we started this podcast, Kasanos was talking about some stuff that he heard it this morning about just how fearsome this virus might be. So, Chris, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so... 
Alicia, I was, I was, I was telling Dave, and we were speaking earlier. You know, I was look, watching some macroeconomic videos. There's a show, Real Vision, very popular amongst people in the finance industry. You know, people who really want to study the economy. And one of their co-founders, name's Raul Paul, he was sharing how, you know, this thing has what people underestimate that you know people, you know, this is a flu. This is not just your typical ordinary everyday flu. And he was sharing how in China, China took the the right types of measures to contain this type of virus, where they basically took the draconian measures to put everybody into isolation. There was nobody out in order to contain this virus that is spreading so fast that flus don't even spread this fast. And I think they call it an RO or how many times it's transmitted where the flu, I think, is on average one point something. This one has a transmission rate of three times. If you saw the last night news, you saw that the guy in New York, just one case was already spread to like 15 people. You know, now that's not normal. Typically, they have, they say it's about a three, but the fact that one guy, and it was able to spread in just such a short period of time to 15 people that that's a real danger. That's the danger, and that's where he was explaining how America, we will never lock down. Our, we would never do that. Like we we're just not willing culturally. We're just not willing to do what it takes to take care of this virus. And then if you add up, okay, it has a small fatality rate, but what's the fatality rate if you have a hundred million people who are infected with this, and it's only two percent? That's a very large number. And of that 100 million, let's say 20%, which will get sick, those all have to go to the hospital. We don't have enough hospital beds to cover that. At the rate this thing is growing, there's the real, I mean, and again, like what Dave said, there's a lot of unknowns with this thing, but this is something that you just cannot ignore. There's something real here. We don't know what it is. You know, thank God I'm healthy, I'm young, and Dave, you were talking to me about you guys were going to London, and you canceled. Yeah. Yeah, we had a Cloud Communications Alliance meeting that happened there a couple of days ago, and we were all set to go. But my wife has asthma, and she got really afraid to go. And then I started thinking, wow, maybe this thing really could be a threat to us personally. But then we started to think about, well, what about other uh, companies that are sending their people around as normal, and now they're pulling back, how does that affect the economy? And how does that affect the business world? And really, most what we're finding out is that most companies are not prepared to have a business continuation kind of strategy. I mean, business continuity is not something people think about all the time, or disaster recovery is not what people think about. And yet we should and we could get very intentional about this strategy because it's all cloud-based. So this is what we really want to kind of maybe transition our discussion to. How can a business be prepared if you can't go to work, if you feel like your life could be in danger if you were to go to work? So now that we're under siege by a virus we don't understand, it seems as though the prudent thing to do is to have everybody work from home. Unfortunately, a lot of companies are not prepared to do this. 
especially companies that haven't moved to the cloud, because how are they going to do business if they can't be on the phone? How are they going to work from home effectively if they don't have themselves set up with a place to work and a phone connection that can be controlled by virtue of the cloud? I know you have a lot to talk about that too, so go ahead and kick in here. 100%. And thanks, Dave. Alicia, and here's the thing, what people aren't really thinking about. Besides the virus and all the things associated with that, this is where you and I, we were talking before this call. Okay, yeah, everybody go work remote. But here's something that most people don't even realize. And it's going to come to the forefront as more and more of these companies start working remotely. The biggest challenge right now what I've known because I've been in the remote workspace for a very long time personally and big advocate of it going to happen right now is you are going to see more and more companies as more and more employees work remotely. You are going to see a lot of executives, managers, leadership. They are going to start struggling with trust and they are going to struggle with the fact, okay, I can't see you now. What? Because we've grown up in an age where Majority of the baby boomers, they still own a lot of these companies, guys like Dave, and they still believe we got to have an office. I mean, obviously, there's office space out there. We see the 405. We see the five traffic. So people are going somewhere. They're not working from home, and I don't see traffic getting any better. So people are going somewhere, and the idea that we need to be in an office is not true. But what has kept us from not going to an office prior to this COVID-19, business owners still don't trust employees working from home. And that struggle is going to cause a lot of problems for people. It's going to cause people to feel insecure. It's going to cause people to feel like they have to overperform and show that they're doing stuff. And as I was giving you an example, I know managers that they will chat their employees. And if their employees don't respond within a certain time frame, they start panicking. And then they start thinking, well, where, how come they're not responding to my chat? Just because you're working from home doesn't mean you gotta be glued to a computer. Just because you're working from home doesn't mean I gotta answer my phone all the time. And this is where you're gonna start having problems. Because people have these misconceptions that, oh, what are they doing all day? Why are they not responding? Why weren't they this? Are they picking up their kids? Did they go to football practice? Did they go to this? It's like we don't know how to live in a world of remote working. We are not conditionally trained. So, Alicia, I know you probably have a lot of questions, but I'm going to give it back to you. But there's a lot to unpack here. So I think that there are a few different directions we could go based on everything that we've been talking about. But the one that seems most logical to me is, you know, what do you guys recommend businesses do from here if working, if businesses aren't already set up for successful remote work, is there anything that they can do at this point? Is it a culture shift that's going to have to happen really quickly? Um, what, what do you guys think about that? I think that businesses need to do something now. Okay, so let's take the, for instance, the 200 million phones that are connected by wires. There's still 200 million telephony handsets that are on the desks of giant companies 
and yet they're not connected to the cloud in any way. That has to be fixed. That needs to be addressed by companies immediately, and they need to take the shortest route possible to completely change out their telephony equipment. And I know that sounds pretty crazy, but let me tell you, if, we, if this continues, and we see this thing go bigger or, you know, hopefully not, but let's say that another virus is right on the tail of this one, businesses are going to have to figure out another way to conduct business other than going into an office space. So even if it's just for a short period of time, they should still be prepared for it and have a strategy that they can execute when they get faced with this or the next big hurricane or whatever it is. Because we have these solutions in place. The technology will support it. It's just that companies have been slow to adopt. And so what we're saying is not only can you have a connection, but due to things like Chrysanos Protoscore, now we can see into how well an employee is performing on an hourly basis at home. So Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about Protoscore and, and how that would help a business well, keep track so of their employees and their productivity? So, so it's a good leeway, but but let me go, let me take something back. How Dave said, you know, we got to transition to allow employees to have business phones. But why do we want employees to have business phones? Why can't they just use their personal cell phones, right? And and if you think about what I just said before, let's bring that all the way back to trust. If we are going to allow employees to work remotely, we got to have visibility. And we got to give them the business tools that allow us to have that that visibility as an employer, so we can be assured that people are not taking advantage of people working for home. There's that trust act factor, right? I mean, we all have car insurance. It's not like we want to brash and you know use that car insurance, but we have it. Everybody's got to have insurance. And in order for us to get that visibility on the communication, it doesn't help us if they're using their personal cell phones because we can't tie into that data. But if they're using their UC or their mobile app, their business phone service, and it has APIs, we can tap into that data to help build that trust as we deploy these remote workforces. And I think that's vital to what is going on in, the, in, in this space right now is everyone's just moving so quickly. Alicia? Absolutely. And if you don't mind talking a little bit about some of the you know, best practices that companies who are asking employees to work remotely can um, utilize, or Dave mentioned talking a little bit about what Protoscore does. Um, I think some of that information might be really beneficial for our listeners and for any organization who might be considering asking their employees to work remotely, if not now, at some point in the future. Yeah, and, and again, it's going to be an evolution, right? So everybody's right now just scrambling Go work remote. Go work remote. So if they don't have phone systems for business, they're going to be told, hey, use your personal cell phone. You know, if you don't have on-premise email from 365 or G Suite, they're going to say, yeah, just use your exchange. Like everyone's just going to be in a scramble to basically use whatever they got at this given moment. But there will come a time as this thing progresses, even from days, that trust will start to erode. And as that trust starts to erode, there will be doubt. And when doubt comes in, we start to have fear. And because of fear, we start doing stupid things. We start micromanaging. 
we start asking questions we probably shouldn't ask of our employees because we're nervous, we're scared, they're not doing what they're doing. Protoscore provides that visibility, non-invasive, non-invasive visibility based on the applications and the products you use to basically give these productivity scores to assure, because I'll give you a real-world example. I've seen trends when we use Protoscore that people who work from home, they wake up really early in the morning, they start doing whatever they're doing, some emails, catching up on their Google Docs, and then from maybe around 6.30 to 8 o'clock, and you can tell maybe that's when the kids wake up. So you don't see any activity during that period because they're probably getting their kids ready and they're, you know, taking the kids to school and doing what they got to do. But then they come back, they put in about another hour and a half, two hours worth of work, email, phone calls, you start seeing the activity in the CRM, then another break, probably going to the gym or probably they're going to go do their shopping. They come back another two hours. And when you do all these sequences, what you see is you actually see a much more productive worker and you actually see a happier worker because they're getting the things that are important to them in their life. They're participating in their family's activities. They're shopping or going to the grocery store. They're doing exercising, and they're still getting their work done. And typically what we see is like maybe the last hour of the day, like 9 o'clock at night, they probably do about another 30 minutes an hour activity. So remote work is not an eight-hour job. It's a it's a continual process. So for people to think that you're just going to work like how you work in an office remotely, it's not true. You mentioned that throughout the day, workers will actually wind up being more productive than they may be in an office. Do you feel like that's because they're able to work on their own time and do what they need to do um, throughout the day, but Ultimately, they are putting in the quote-unquote, you know, eight hours that they would be putting in at the office. It's just more during a time that works for them. And, um, you know, ultimately, do you think that this actually makes them even more productive than they would be in an office during the same, you know, eight hours that they would either be working throughout the time that they're awake at their home versus a set eight-hour period of time in their office? 100%. I've seen people who are in an office that when they're in an office, their productivity drops. And you have to think about it. When you go to an office, what are you doing? Just because you're in an office doesn't mean you're working. You're socializing, you're talking, you're visiting. Oh, it's lunch, time to go, right? You have how many coffee breaks? There is so much unpredictability in an office, and I know all the experts like to say, oh, the people face-to-face, -face, yeah, that's great, wonderful, right? I think it's overrated. I think at the end of the day, as humans, we want to do things that are important to us. And spending time with our friends, our family, having a better – I mean, think about what – Think about the 90s and the 80s and the years and the 2000s. I mean, people work like you've never seen people work before, right? Like they are burned out. We need a better way to work. We cannot have, as Americans, our lives are all work. In Europe, they don't work like we do. Yeah, so I, I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> 
But on the other hand, it is true. We have a maniacal force uh, focus on work. But the thing about it is that what we're finding out in most of the studies I'm reading is that people are distracted in the workplace. And often we're finding that the remote worker is more able to concentrate and stay at their task longer because they're in a comfortable setting. They return to their work in the evening and on weekends, where somebody in a cubicle that has to go into the office never comes back to work. So you actually see that the productivity goes through the roof with somebody working in a decent environment at home in comparison to somebody who is in a cubicle in an office structure. So but um, I would I, I would the world is changing. I, I would argue that there are reverse examples where there are people who have no business. They should not be working from home. Right? They're yep. just not good workers from home. And that's nothing against them. They just don't have whatever it, like I could never go back. I'm a I'm a huge distraction in the office. Like you don't want a guy like me in your office. I will distract all of yeah. your employees. So there are some people who they just can't work from home. Maybe they live in too small of an apartment or they just want something. They want to be around people. And you can see it. You can see productivity drops for some people. And, you know, they shouldn't be worried about work from home. Yeah, that is true, too. But the vast majority can work at some point during the week effectively in a home office, in a WeWork space, even in a coffee shop. Sometimes when I call Elisa, she's at a coffee shop, and she's seemingly very productive there. Do you want to speak to that, Elisa? Sure. And I will also say that, you know, so for our listeners out there, I work remotely 100% of the time. I'm located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania right now. I'm going to be moving to Charlotte, North Carolina here in a couple months. Um, but, you know, 2600 Hertz's office is in San Francisco, California. So since the beginning, I've been working remotely. Um, and there was definitely a transitional period for me when I left my previous job where I was going into an office five days a week to then working remotely 100% of the time. But I found my rhythm, I found my groove, and I really agree with what Chris Santos is saying because I do feel like I am way more productive working from home. I'm able to, um, you know, hop on my computer earlier in the morning than, you know, I did at my previous job when, you know, I didn't log into my computer until I got there at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. But here, if I need to, if there's a lot going on or it's a really busy period for me, I can get up at 7 a.m., hop on my computer, do a little bit of work, get some emails out, especially when I'm working with people who are located um, over in Europe and are, you know, five, six, seven hours ahead of my time, even here on the East Coast, I can have the communication or a call with them that I need to. I can then take time, have my breakfast, then go back to work. Um, so I definitely feel like there is a way to be a lot more productive, but I do think for some people, there can be a transitional period getting in that mindset of, okay, I'm at home, but I still need to actually do work and I can't just go sit on the couch and watch TV all day. But you can, if you want to like take little gaps and take little breaks, see what's going on. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's, 
that's the disillusion that I think a lot of people say, oh, oh, God forbid you turn on the TV and watch the TV. God forbid you t- you lay down and take a nap. You you can do that stuff. You're not married, and that's what that's where the trust and the culture. Remote work has a different culture, and I think a lot of remote workers, I think there's a lot of guilt that remote workers actually carry because they feel that they have to prove how hard they're working because they work remote. I mean, I feel because the companies can sometimes also make them feel guilty. I would definitely agree with that, um, mostly for organizations where there are not remote workers on a consistent basis. Obviously, for 2600 Hertz, it's a little bit different because we do have a handful of employees that are 100% remote all the time. But for a company where it's not necessarily the norm, I definitely think that people will feel that way and they may wind up working even more than they would if they were in the office specifically to prove to their manager or to prove to upper management that they are actually working and still doing their job and still being productive. And that, of course, can you know lead to the same burnout that it does when someone is going into the office every day. So I think, especially with the way things are looking and right now with more and more organizations asking their employees to work remotely, there will definitely be a transitional period, but there, every company needs to kind of find their sweet spot of you know, employees feeling okay with working remotely and being productive, but also managers and those running the organizations need to extend that bit of trust to their employees. I mean, we are essentially in uncharted territory with this virus. Um, you know, we've seen viruses similar to this previously, but the the rate of spread uh, is not something that we've seen for such a coronavirus in the past. And of course, no one can truly predict what it will do in the future. But, you know, I think flexibility with your workforce is something that organizations really need to take into consideration and, you know, moving forward, doing what they can to facilitate workers being able to work remotely and gaining that trust so that productivity is not lost and remote workers aren't essentially overworking themselves. That's a great point. Dave, I'd love to get your perspective on all of this. Okay. So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm right with you that there is a special knack to being able to work effectively at home. And so I think it all goes into this whole idea of a work-at-home strategy that's very intentional and comes with training. And it comes with experienced people who've been working for a long time at home and have learned some of the hacks that are necessary to stay productive. You know, like, for instance, just working with that 50 minutes of, of, of concentration and then giving yourself a 10-minute break by getting up, walking around, going get you know, a glass of water, get some food and then come back down and concentrate again for 50 solid uninterrupted minutes. Amazing amounts of work can be done. It's called deep work. And there's a book on this. 
about how you can increase your productivity, you can increase your concentration and the quality of your work just by intentionally developing a work at home strategy. So the other part to this is to have the proper tools. A fast internet connection is crucial to this. And so the list goes on. And as we start thinking about how do we make our remote workers as productive and more productive than any worker that's sitting in an office, it could change the world. Now, I don't really know if we can replace actual offices entirely in our lifetime, but who knows? We can certainly at least have a backup for if somebody's sick, they don't come to work, and yet they stay productive somebody's got big projects and they want to work on the weekend or in the evenings, that's totally doable from home or anywhere. And that's the beauty of the cloud. That was the promise of the cloud back in the early days. It was the ability to work effectively from anywhere, anytime. Now, probably you can make an argument that now we all work everywhere all the time, and that's not good, right? So, that life balance is one of the things you build into a strategy of the work at home person. So I think there's just a lot of thinking that we can do about this. Tools like Protoscore being deployed give employers confidence that their people are being productive. Uh, you know, there's this opportunity that people look at working at home as a place not to work, and that needs to change. So there's just a lot of things that need to be addressed in this whole strategy thing we've been talking about. But for the health of the business and for the health of the employee, a work-at-home strategy is part of today's workplace. And so I think that it's up to us to begin that charge. And I think things like this terrible virus could be the thing that creates a tipping point. Absolutely. And... You know, I think that this situation will definitely prove to many employers who don't currently have remote working or, you know, any sort of work from home policy, um, you know, even if for whatever reason they don't do it now, hopefully what we're experiencing with this virus will prompt employers to think to the future for you know, if this were to ever happen again for any other type of, you know, maybe it's a natural disaster like a hurricane, um, having companies proactively come up with contingency plans and remote working strategies and starting to put all of these processes in place and gaining or getting the software and the tools and resources that would be helpful for their employees to work remotely in the future. I think, you know, it's a very, it's very much a learning experience and probably an eye-opening experience for a lot of companies out there who have never considered letting their employees work remotely. No, it's, it's going to force, it's going to force them. It's going to force them. It's going to yep. force them to allow their, especially tech companies who can do this. I mean, a lot of companies are in a position to allow their employees to work from home. And and I'll share this last thing, and I share this a lot on LinkedIn, which I think is so funny. I go to offices all the time in Irvine, San Francisco, in in Silicon Valley, 
and I'll go into these beautiful offices. I mean, and it's the middle of the week. And I walk into these offices, and there's nobody there. It's empty. And I'm like, where's all the people? I know you got people. I know you got employees. Where are they? Are they all traveling today? Is everybody traveling? No. They all came up with reasons and excuses on how to basically allow themselves to work from home. No, I just I feel like owners and bosses and executives, they have this mindset that I want you in an office and you got to be here. I'm here. So they like I, I know these business owners and these business leaders like, well, if I'm in an office, you better be here, too. And they're just so angry. They're not even thinking logically why they're even there. They're just angry. And they're like, Don't well, you, you need to be there, too. Dave, there I, are I a lot that... of people. Dave, there are a lot of people out there still. They're like that. They're out there. I see them every day. Okay. So, Dave, what, yeah. it's not, but I think why, maybe why is going our freeway? However, but Dave, yeah. Dave the freeways are not less any congested. Where is everybody going? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, you know, you have a, a millennial kind of person. Let's call Marissa Mayer that, and she made everybody come back to Yahoo that was deployed because she felt like people weren't working effectively at home. But now I hear that Yahoo's back to being deployed and that people can work at home, but they had to take a step back and reform and rethink what it means to meet, to work at home. And I think that's what we're talking about now is that businesses need to get intentional with their strategy that will allow them to work temporarily at home or even all the time at home. And, and, and Alicia, I'll share this with you just, just to give you the power of visibility and having the right tools in place, what you can do once you have all the right tools in place. There is a company, Big Master Agent. They use UCAS, they use G Suite, they use Salesforce for CRM, and they use Protoscore. And now they want everybody to work remotely. And guess what? With confidence, easy, no problem, literally could go work remotely and Leadership has the confidence that they can measure productivity, no problem, because they got all the visibility tools they need. They don't even miss a beat. Well, guys, this has been a really great discussion. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today? Wash your hands. <laughs> Use <laughs> the pearl, you know. Everybody be safe out there. Yeah, and look for ways that you can be and, and look for ways that you can be productive by working at home and traveling a little less and putting yourself in places where you can catch this terrible thing. So. Yeah. But thank you, Alicia, for having us on your show today. Thank yeah. you both so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure having you here with me today. And a huge thanks to our listeners for joining us as well. I'd love to hear if you have any specific topics you'd like to hear about specific guests you'd like me to talk to, or really anything that interests you about UC. Send your ideas to me at marketing at 2600hertz.com, and make sure you stay connected with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Don't miss our next episode of the Free UC with 2600 Hertz podcast by subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. We'll see you next time.